Welcome to Drift Off, bedtime stories to help you unwind, relax, and drift off. Thank you for joining me. I'm your host, Joanne, and it's a pleasure helping you get restful sleep. I created this podcast because I wanted to provide a quiet space for comfort for my listeners. Life can get really busy, and I want this podcast to be a soft place to land at the end of the day where you feel safe and cozy as I read you a bedtime story to help you unwind and relax as you ease into a restful night's sleep. So if you're enjoying the podcast and want to support the show so that we can continue to bring you even more sleepy bedtime stories, we've created a premium membership where you can enjoy relaxing, intro and ad-free listening, two monthly bonus episodes, as well as access to a monthly guided sleep relaxation or sleep hypnosis that you can use at bedtime to help you sleep. Go sign up at driftoff.supercast.com or see the link in the show notes. That's driftoff.supercast.com. Tonight I will be reading Chapter 2 from the book Little House in the Big Woods called Winter Days and Winter Nights by Laura Ingalls Wilder. The story takes place in 1871 about a little girl called Laura and her family who live in a little house in the woods in Wisconsin. Pioneer life is not easy and the family must gather and prepare as much food as possible for the long cold winter ahead. But even though pioneer life can have its challenges, it can also be very fun, as Laura and her family enjoy celebrating Christmas, spring planting, and bringing in the harvest. But Laura's most favorite thing of all is listening to the happy sound of Pa's fiddle at bedtime, when she and her family are all safe and sound in their cozy little house in the big woods. I hope you enjoy chapter two of this beautiful book. I hope it helps create feelings of warmth and comfort as you relax and drift off. And so, as always, my friend, settle in comfortably under the covers. Take a full, comfortable breath. And as you exhale, relax and let go. Allow any tension to just melt away, letting your body sink deeper and deeper down into the softness of your bed. There is nothing else to do and nowhere else to be, so just lie back, relax, and enjoy the story. The first snow came and the bitter cold. Every morning, Pa took his gun and his traps and was gone all day in the big woods, setting the small traps for muskrats and mink along the creeks, the middle-sized traps for foxes and wolves in the woods. He set out the big bear traps, hoping to get a fat bear before they all went into their dens for the winter. One morning, he came back took the horses and sled, and hurried away again. He had shot a bear, 
Laura and Mary jumped up and down and clapped their hands. They were so glad. Mary shouted, I want the drumstick. I want the drumstick. Mary did not know how big a bear's drumstick is. When Pa came back, he had both a bear and a pig in the wagon. He had been going through the woods with a big bear trap in his hands and the gun on his shoulder. When he walked around a big pine tree covered with snow and the bear was behind the tree. The bear had just killed the pig and was picking it up to eat it. Pa said the bear was standing up on its hind legs, holding the pig in its paws, just as though they were hands. Pa shot the bear, and there was no way of knowing where the pig came from, nor whose pig it was. So, I just brought home the bacon, Pa said. There was plenty of fresh meat to last for a long time. The days and the nights were so cold that the pork in a box and the bear meat hanging in the little shed outside the back door were solidly frozen and did not thaw. When Ma wanted fresh meat for dinner, Pa took the axe and cut off a chunk of frozen bear meat or pork. But the sausage balls or the salt pork or the smoked hams and the venison Ma could get for herself from the shed or the attic. The snow kept coming till it was drifted and banked against the house. In the mornings, the window panes were covered with frost in beautiful pictures of trees and flowers and fairies. Ma said that Jack Frost came in the night and made the pictures while everyone was asleep. Laura thought that Jack Frost was a little man all snowy white, wearing a glittering white pointed cap and soft white knee boots made of deer skin. His coat was white and his mittens were white, and he did not carry a gun on his back, but in his hands he had shining sharp tools with which he carved the pictures. Laura and Mary were allowed to take Ma's thimble and made pretty patterns of circles in the frost on the glass but they never spoiled the pictures that Jack Frost had made in the night. When they put their mouths close to the pane and blew their breath on it, the white frost melted and ran in drops down the glass. Then they could see the drifts of snow outdoors and the great trees standing bare and black, making thin blue shadows on the white snow. Laura and Mary helped Ma with the work. Every morning there were dishes to wipe. Mary wiped more of them than Laura because she was bigger, but Laura always wiped carefully her own little cup and plate. By the time the dishes were all wiped and set away, the trundle bed was aired. Then, standing one on each side, Laura and Mary straightened the covers, tucked them in well at the foot and the sides, plumped up the pillows, and put them in place. Then Ma pushed the trundle bed into its place under the big bed. After this was done, Ma began the work that belonged to that day. Each day had its own proper work. Ma used to say, Wash on Monday, iron on Tuesday, mend on Wednesday, churn on Thursday, clean on Friday, bake on Saturday, rest on Sunday. Laura liked the churning and the baking days best of all the week. In the winter, the cream was not yellow as it was in the summer, 
and butter churned from it was white and not so pretty. Ma liked everything on her table to be pretty, so in the winter time she colored the butter. After she had put the cream in the tall crockery churn and set it near the stove to warm, she washed and scraped a long orange-colored carrot. Then she grated it on the bottom of the old, leaky tin pan that Pa had punched full of nail holes for her. Ma rubbed the carrot across the roughness until she had rubbed it all through the holes, and when she lifted up the pan, there was a soft, juicy mound of grated carrot. She put this in a little pan of milk on the stove, and when the milk was hot, she poured milk and carrot into a cloth bag. Then she squeezed the bright yellow milk into the churn where it colored all the cream. Now the butter would be yellow. Laura and Mary were allowed to eat the carrot after the milk had been squeezed out. Mary thought she ought to have the larger share because she was older, and Laura said she should have it because she was littler. But Ma said they must divide it evenly. It was very good. When the cream was ready, Ma scalded the long wooden churn dash, put it in the churn, and dropped the wooden churn cover over it. The churn cover had a little round hole in the middle, and Ma moved the dash up and down, up and down through the hole. She churned for a long time. Mary could sometimes churn while Ma rested, but the dash was too heavy for Laura. At first, the splashes of cream showed thick and smooth around the little hole. After a long time, they began to look grainy. Then Ma churned more slowly, and on the dash there began to appear tiny grains of yellow butter. When Ma took off the churn cover, there was the butter in a golden lump, drowning in the buttermilk. Then Ma took out the lump with a wooden paddle, into a wooden bowl, and she washed it many times in cold water, turning it over and over, and working it with the paddle, until the water ran clear. After that, she salted it. Now came the best part of the churning. Ma molded the butter. On the loose bottom of the wooden butter mold was carved the picture of a strawberry with two strawberry leaves. With the paddle, Ma packed butter tightly into the mold until it was full. Then she turned it upside down over a plate and pushed on the handle of the loose bottom. The little firm pad of golden butter came out with the strawberry and its leaves molded on the top. Laura and Mary watched, breathless, one on each side of Ma, while the golden little butter pats, each with its strawberry on the top, dropped onto the plate as Ma put all the butter through the mold. Then Ma gave them each a drink of good, fresh buttermilk. On Saturdays, when Ma made the bread, they each had a little piece of dough to make into a little loaf. They might have a bit of cookie dough, too, to make little cookies. And once, Laura even made a pie in her patty pan. After the day's work was done, Ma sometimes cut paper dolls for them. She cut the dolls out of stiff white paper and drew the faces with a pencil. Then, from bits of colored paper, she cut dresses and hats, ribbons and laces, so that Laura and Mary could dress their dolls beautifully. But the best time of all was at night when Pa came home. 
he would come in from his tramping through the snowy woods, with tiny icicles hanging on the ends of his mustaches. He would hang his gun on the wall over the door, throw off his fur cap and coat and mittens and call, Where's my little half pint of sweet cider, half drunk up? That was Laura, because she was so small. Laura and Mary would run to climb on his knees and sit there while he warmed himself by the fire. Then he would put on his coat and cap and mittens again and go out to do the chores and bring in plenty of wood for the fire. Sometimes, when Pa had walked his trap lines quickly because the traps were empty, or when he had got some game sooner than usual, he would come home early. Then he would have time to play with Laura and Mary. One game they loved was called Mad Dog. Pa would run his fingers through his thick brown hair, standing it all up on end. Then he dropped on all fours and, growling, he chased Laura and Mary all around the room, trying to get them cornered where they couldn't get away. They were quick at dodging and running, but once he caught them against the wood box behind the stove. They couldn't get past Pa, and there was no other way out. Then Pa growled so terribly, his hair was so wild, and his eyes so fierce that it all seemed real. Mary was so frightened that she could not move. But as Pa came nearer, Laura screamed, and with a wild leap and a scramble, she went over the wood box, dragging Mary with her. And at once, there was no mad dog at all. There was only Pa standing there with his blue eyes shining, looking at Laura. Well, he said to her, you're only a little half pint of cider, half drunk up, but by jinx, you're as strong as a little French horse. You shouldn't frighten the children so, Charles, Ma said. Look how big their eyes are. Pa looked, and then he took down his fiddle. He began to play and sing. Laura and Mary forgot all about the mad dog. Pa was keeping time with his foot, and Laura clapped her hands to the music when he sang. All alone in the wild big woods and the snow and the cold, the little log house was warm and snug and cozy. Pa and Ma and Mary and Laura and baby Carrie were comfortable and happy there, especially at night. Then the fire was shining on the hearth. The cold and the dark and the wild beasts were all shut out, and Jack the bulldog and Black Susan the cat lay blinking at the flames in the fireplace. Ma sat in her rocking chair, sewing by the light of the lamp on the table. The lamp was bright and shiny. There was salt in the bottom of its glass bowl with the kerosene to keep the kerosene from exploding, and there were bits of red flannel among the salt to make it pretty. It was pretty. Laura loved to look at the lamp with its glassy chimney, so clean and sparkling, its yellow flame burning so steadily, and its bowl of clear kerosene colored red by the bits of flannel. She loved to look at the fire in the fireplace, flickering and changing all the time, burning yellow and red, and sometimes green above the logs, 
and hovering blue over the golden and ruby coals. They were cozy and comfortable in their little house made of logs, with the snow drifted round it and the wind crying because it could not get in by the fire. And then Pa told stories. Every evening before he began to tell stories, Pa made the bullets for his next day's hunting. Laura and Mary helped him. They brought the big, long-handled spoon and the box full of its bits of lead and the bullet mold. Then while he squatted on the hearth and made the bullets, they sat one on each side of him and watched. First he melted the bits of lead and the big spoon held in the coals. When the lead was melted, he poured it carefully from the spoon into the little hole in the bullet mold. He waited a minute, then he opened the mold and out dropped a bright new bullet onto the hearth. The bullet was too hot to touch, but it shone so temptingly that sometimes Laura or Mary could not help touching it. Then they'd burn their fingers, but they did not say anything because Pa had told them never to touch a new bullet. If they burned their fingers, that was their own fault. They should have minded him. So they put their fingers in their mouths to cool them, and watched Pa make more bullets. There would be a shining pile of them on the hearth before Pa stopped. He let them cool. Then, with his jackknife, he trimmed off the little lumps left by the hole in the mold. He gathered up the tiny shavings of lead and saved them carefully to melt again the next time he made bullets. The finished bullets he put into his bullet pouch. This was a little bag which Ma had made beautifully of buckskin from a buck Pa had shot. After the bullets were made, Pa would take his gun down from the wall and clean it. Out in the snowy woods all day, it might have gathered a little dampness, and the inside of the barrel was sure to be dirty from powder smoke. So Pa would take the ramrod from its place under the gun barrel and fasten a piece of clean cloth on its end. He stood the butt of the gun in a pan on the hearth and poured boiling water from the tea kettle into the gun barrel. Then quickly he dropped the ramrod in and rubbed it up and down, up and down, while the hot water blackened with powder smoke, spurted out through the little hole on which the cap was placed when the gun was loaded. Pa kept pouring in more water and washing the gun barrel with the cloth on the ramrod until the water ran out clear. Then the gun was clean. The water must always be boiling so that the heated steel would dry instantly. Then Pa put a clean, greased rag on the ramrod and while the gun barrel was still hot, he greased it well on the inside. With another clean, greased cloth, he rubbed it all over, outside, until every bit of it was oiled and sleek. After that, he rubbed and polished the gunstock until the wood of it was bright and shining too. Now he was ready to load the gun again, and Laura and Mary must help him. Standing straight and tall, 
holding the long gun upright on its butt, while Laura and Mary stood on either side of him, Pa said, You watch me now, and tell me if I make a mistake. So they watched very carefully, but he never made a mistake. Laura handed him the smooth, polished cow horn full of gunpowder. The top of the horn was a little metal cap. Pa filled the cap full of the gunpowder and poured the powder down the barrel of the gun. Then he shook the gun a little and tapped the barrel to be sure that all the powder was together in the bottom. Where's my patch box? he asked then. And Mary gave him the little tin box full of little pieces of greased cloth. Pa laid one of these bits of greasy cloth over the muzzle of the gun, put one of the shiny new bullets on it, and with the ramrod he pushed the bullet and the cloth down the gun barrel. Then he pounded them tightly against the powder. When he hit them with the ramrod, the ramrod bounced up in the gun barrel, and Pa caught it and thrust it down again. He did this for a long time. Next, he put the ramrod back in its place against the gun barrel. Then, taking a box of caps from his pocket, he raised the hammer of the gun and slipped one of the little bright caps over the hollow pin that was under the hammer. He let the hammer down, slowly and carefully. If it came down quickly, bang, the gun would go off. Now the gun was loaded, and Pa laid it on its hooks over the door. When Pa was at home, the gun always lay across those two wooden hooks above the door. Pa had whittled the hooks out of a green stick with his knife, and had driven their straight ends deep into holes in the log. The hooked ends curved upward and held the gun securely. The gun was always loaded and always above the door, so that Pa could get it quickly and easily any time he needed a gun. When Pa went into the big woods, he always made sure that the bullet pouch was full of bullets, and that the tin patch box and the box of caps were with it in his pockets. The powder horn and a small harp hatchet hung at his belt, and he carried the gun ready loaded on his shoulder. He always reloaded the gun as soon as he had fired it, for, he said, he did not want to meet trouble with an empty gun. Whenever he shot at a wild animal, he had to stop and load the gun, measure the powder, put it in and shake it down, put in the patch and the bullet and pound them down, and then put a fresh cap under the hammer before he could shoot again. When he shot at a bear or a panther, he must kill it with the first shot. A wounded bear or panther could kill a man before he had time to load his gun again. But Laura and Mary were never afraid when Pa went alone into the big woods. They knew he could always kill bears and panthers with the first shot. After the bullets were made and the gun was loaded, came storytelling time. Tell us about the voice in the woods, Laura would beg him. Pa crinkled up his eyes at her. Oh no, he said. You don't want to hear about the time I was a naughty little boy. Oh yes, we do, we do, Laura and Mary said. So Pa began. 
When I was a little boy, not much bigger than Mary, I had to go every afternoon to find the cows in the woods and drive them home. My father told me never to play by the way, but to hurry and bring the cows home before dark, because there were bears and wolves and panthers in the woods. One day, I started earlier than usual, so I thought I didn't need to hurry. There were so many things to see in the woods that I forgot that dark was coming. There were red squirrels in the trees, chipmunks scurrying through the leaves, and little rabbits playing games together in the open places. Little rabbits, you know, always have games together before they go to bed. I began to play I was a mighty hunter stalking the wild animals. And then all at once... I heard the birds twittering good night. It was dusky in the path and dark in the woods. I knew that I must get the cows home quickly, or it would be black night before they were safe in the barn, and I couldn't find the cows. I listened, but I could not hear their bells. I called, but the cows didn't come. I was afraid of the dark and the wild beasts but I dared not go home to my father without the cows. So I ran through the woods, hunting and calling. All the time, the shadows were getting thicker and darker, and the woods seemed larger, and the trees and the bushes looked strange. I could not find the cows anywhere. I climbed up hills, looking for them and calling, and I went down into dark ravines, calling and looking. I stopped and listened for the cowbells, and there was not a sound but the rustling of leaves. Then I heard loud breathing and thought a panther was there in the dark behind me, but it was only my own breathing. My bare legs were scratched by the briars, and when I ran through the bushes, their branches struck me, but I kept on, Looking and calling, I shouted with all my might. Right over my head, something asked, Who? My hair stood straight on end. Who? Who? The voice said again. And then how I did run. I forgot all about the cows. All I wanted was to get out of the dark woods to get home. That thing in the dark came after me and called again. Who? Who? I ran with all my might. I ran till I couldn't breathe and I still kept on running. Something grabbed my foot and down I went. Up I jumped and then I ran. Not even a wolf could have caught me. At last I came out of the dark woods by the barn. There stood all the cows waiting to be let through the bars. I let them in, and then ran to the house. My father looked up and said, Young man, what makes you so late? Been playing by the way? I looked down at my feet, and then I saw that one big toenail had been torn clean off. I had been so scared that I had not felt it hurt till that minute. Pa always stopped telling the story here and waited until Laura said, Go on, Pa. Please, go on. 
Well, Pa said, then your grandpa went out into the yard and cut a stout switch, and he came back into the house and gave me a good thrashing so that I would remember to mind him after that. A big boy nine years old is old enough to remember to mind, he said. There's a good reason for what I tell you to do, he said. And if you'll do as you're told, no harm will come to you. Yes, yes, Pa, Laura would say, bouncing up and down on Pa's knees. And then what did he say? He said, If you'd obeyed me, as you should, you wouldn't have been out in the big woods after dark, and you wouldn't have been scared by a screech owl. And as the story now comes to an end, a feeling of deep rest and relaxation naturally flows through you because your mind is much more quiet and still now. And it feels easy to let go and to give way to this sleepy feeling. With each breath you take, it gets easier and easier. I'm just resting here now while enjoying this pleasant feeling of sleepy relaxation. Let it wrap around you like a cozy blanket, feeling safe. Resting and relaxing. And it feels wonderful to let go more and more. And just drifting down, deeper and deeper down to restful sleep. It's just so easy, slower and slower, deeper and deeper, relaxing and letting go. In your own time and in your own way, you can drift off into a restful sleep while enjoying a full night's rest and you will awaken feeling refreshed and wonderful in every way. And so my friend, sweet dreams, sleep well. <laughs>